affirmatively with some range of one's stimulations and negatively with some range. The sentence should command the subject's assent or dissent outright on the occasion of a stimulation in the appropriate range, without further investigation and independently of what he may have been engaged in at the time. A further requirement is intersubjectivity. Unlike a report of a feeling, the sentence must command the same verdict from all linguistically competent witnesses of the occasion. I call them observation sentences. Examples are, It's raining, it's getting cold, that's a rabbit. Unlike, Men are mortal, they are occasion sentences. True on some occasions, false on others. Sometimes it is raining, sometimes not. Briefly stated then, an observation sentence is an occasion sentence on which speakers of the language can agree outright on witnessing the occasion. Observationality is vague at the edges. There are gradations in an individual's readiness to ascend. What has passed for an observation sentence, say, that's a swan, may to the subject's own surprise leave him undecided when he encounters a black specimen. He may have to resort to convention to settle his usage. We shall need now and again to remind ourselves thus of the untidiness of human behavior, but meanwhile we foster perspicuity by fancying boundaries. The range of stimulations associated with an observation sentence, affirmatively or negatively, I call its affirmative or negative stimulus meaning for the given speaker. Each of the stimulations, by my definition, is global. It is the set of all the triggered extraceptors, not just the ones that happen to elicit behavior. Hence, the stimulations encompassed in the stimulus meaning will differ wildly from one another in their ineffective firings, but in their effective core they are bound to be similar to one another in some respect by the subject's lights. Similar, that is, in eliciting similar behavior. His according them all the same observation sentence is itself a case of similar, elicited behavior. An observation sentence may consist of a single noun or adjective thought of as a sentence, thus, rain, cold, or rabbit, for it's raining, it's cold, it's a rabbit. Observation sentences also may be compounded to form further observation sentences. For example, by simple conjunction... The sun is rising and birds are singing. Another way of compounding them is predication. The pebble is blue as a compound of low a pebble and low blue. An equivalent rendering is simply blue pebble. They have the same stimulus meaning, but they are not equivalent to the mere conjunction low a pebble and low blue. Their connection is tighter. The conjunction is fulfilled so long as the stimulation shows each of the component observation sentences to be fulfilled somewhere in the scene. Thus, a white pebble here, a blue flower over there. On the other hand, the predication focuses the two fulfillments, requiring them to coincide or amply overlap. The blue must encompass the pebble. It may also extend beyond. The construction is not symmetric. What brought us to an examination of observation sentences was our quest of the link between observation and theory.
The observation sentence is the means of verbalizing the prediction that checks a theory. The requirement that it command a verdict outright is what makes it a final checkpoint. The requirement of intersubjectivity is what makes science objective. Observation sentences are thus the vehicle of scientific evidence, we might say, though without venturing a definition of evidence itself, but also they are the entering wedge in the learning of language. The infant's first acquisitions in cognitive language are rudimentary observation sentences, including mama, milk, and the like as one-word observation sentences. They become associated with stimulations by the conditioning of responses. Their direct association with concurrent stimulation is essential if the child is to acquire them without prior language, and the requirement of intersubjectivity is essential.